the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Pastor John Allworth. Christ didn't simply heal a paralyzed man. He transformed him, both physically and spiritually. Those who are saved understand the very physical and spiritual relationship they have with Jesus Christ. If you know this, want this for someone else or for yourself, keep listening. The Transformative Power of Christ with Pastor John Allworth starts now. Good evening, good afternoon, Houston. This is Pastor John Allworth coming to you live from the KKHT studios. You know, we named the the show The Transformative Power of Christ because we want you to experience that. I've experienced that in my life. He changed my life once I gave my life to him, once I surrendered my life and to him. And it's just been a, I mean, the, the most incredible thing that's ever happened to me. So uh, anyway, today we're going to talk about the title of my message is Jesus Wants Your Heart. Let me say that again. Jesus Wants Your Heart. So, anyway, we're having some technical difficulties. I'm sorry for the pauses. But one day, uh, before we know it, because this life is just a whisper, it goes by quickly. One day before we know it, we're all going to face one of two choices. We're either going to hear what the words in Matthew 25, well done, my good and faithful servant. And we want <laughs> that, that'll be a joyous day when we hear that. But we're going to hear those words. Or we're going to hear the alternative, which we're going to discuss in a minute. Hang on one second while I change headphones here. Okay. So, as I said earlier, Jesus wants to know what's in our heart. I don't think it's the headphones. Nothing's coming through in any of them. Yeah, it's something on the on the soundboard. Uh, Jesus wants to know what's in our heart. I'm sorry for the technical difficulties, folks. There's certain advantages to doing a, a live show, and there sometimes are certain disadvantages. And we're having a disadvantage right now, but that's okay. So please stay tuned, and we're going to get this worked out. Let's see how these are. Okay. Well, nothing's coming through any of them, so I think it's on the the board. All right, well, we're not going to worry about headphones anymore. We're just going to talk. Anyway, Jesus wants to know our heart, so today, wow, that came through. Today, we're going to talk about doing the right things for the right reasons. We talked about this at our church, New Covenant Church, Greater Heights, uh, yesterday, and please, I'm so sorry for the delay, but we're on track now, and you know, we can do the right thing for the right reasons. And, or we can do the right thing for the wrong reasons. I'll give you an example. We can help an elderly person across the street because we see that they're lost and they seem stranded. And because we just want to help them. Because, because you know, it's in our heart to help them. 
or we can help an elderly person across the street, which is the right thing, because we expect a tip. <laughs> we expect them to give us a gratuity. That's the wrong reason. That's doing the right thing for the wrong reason. And if we're going to grow as a church, if we're going to grow as the body of Christ, if we're going to attract new people into the kingdom and show the light of Christ in our hearts, shine through us, then we've got to do the right thing for the right reasons. And in our church, we want to have the anointing and the blessing to be able to go out and change this city. We've come into the middle of the city as a church plant in a very difficult time. Because Jesus in Luke nineteen ten said, "I came to the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost," and and that's our mission. And we need disciples. We need people that are equipped with the Word of God in their hearts, in their DNA, in order to accomplish that miss, that mission. So I want to go quickly through what we did last week when we went through the encouraging words of Jesus, because that was a very profound sermon to me a profound message because in matthew twenty four twenty five we read heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away his words that he gave us two thousand years ago that used that he used 12 ordinary people and everyone that began following him to change the world in a little isolated corner of the world those words are just as powerful today as they were two thousand years ago and they can change people's lives so last week, we went through 10 topics of his words of encouragement. Follow me. My yoke is easy. Jesus' love knows no bounds. You can do it. I will give you the right words. I've got your back. My peace I give you. You will have power. A roadmap of life that Jesus gave us. And when he said, I will never leave you. So when we looked at that roadmap of life in Matthew seven twenty four. Jesus said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But immediately before that passage of scripture, Jesus discusses who are his true and false followers or disciples, and he gives us a warning. In Matthew seven twenty one through 23, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. That's a critical sentence. Only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Are you praying in your life for his will or for your own? Because I can tell you, your own life is going to work out better when you're praying for his will and when you're trying to listen to his voice and live for his will than when we live for our own because he's just smarter and better than us about what's good for us. The scripture goes on. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then, Jesus said, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You know, to many people, this is a confusing scripture. How can this be? These sound like amazing feats, prophesying, driving out demons, miracles. But Jesus called them evil doers. And why is that? It's because Jesus knows your heart. He was speaking to the Pharisees then who said they were doing all these things, but they weren't doing them for the right reasons. They weren't doing them because they had goodness in their heart. They were doing it because they loved money. They loved to be judgmental. They loved to to do uh, all these things that made them look great. They were proud. They weren't doing 
what Jesus wanted for the right reasons. So how does Jesus know our heart? In Luke sixteen thirteen through 15, Jesus, again talking to the Pharisees, said, You cannot love, serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. And he said, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. In Acts fifteen eight, we see, So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, talking about us Gentiles, just as he did to us. This is Peter speaking. God who knows the heart. Jesus knows our heart. In Luke eighteen fourteen, again, again, Jesus is uh, pitted against the Pharisees. Jesus loves a humble heart. And Jesus said, and he says this in many places in the Gospels, he says, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know, I did a simple internet search, Google search on humility in the Bible, and over 100 verses came up. Jesus wants us to have a humble heart. You know, another confusing scripture is found in James 2.17. Faith without works is dead, or in the King James Version. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And you say, well, now wait a minute. We can never live up to the goodness of God. We can never earn our salvation. We can never be good enough. We're saved by our faith. We're saved by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that is absolutely true. But you know what? If you truly accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in your heart, the works just naturally follow. Because we are to imitate Christ. And what did Christ do? He went around helping people, healing people, trying to serve people. He was a servant to all. So when we have true faith, the works follow. It just happens naturally. In fact, in Matthew twenty five forty, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. That's why in our church we're, we're so involved in the recovery community, people who are homeless and addicted. You know, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So, we, you know, we're, we're involved in the open-door mission, and we're involved in people. We're putting somebody into a rehab center tomorrow. You know, if you want to come help us, to there's, there are people that are lost and dying in this city, across this city, that, are, that don't have to live the way they're living. They're living for the wrong things. We're trying to to be a rock and, and be planted in the middle of the city and to help people because we've experienced the transformative power of Christ. Amen. In Philippians 2.3, we see Paul writes, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. That's what Jesus did. He called us friends. He said there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And he did that for us. Each and every person that can hear my voice, he did that for you so that your sins would be as far from the east as is the west. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul writes, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. I'm reading a book right now called The Church Versus of Us Versus Them. We've got to step back as the body of Christ and stop disagreeing with each other about everything, politics and this and that. We're called to love one another, not to just be in disagreement. You know, we need to believe that that Jesus is the Son of uh, the Son of God, that He came to the earth, 
that he died on the cross for our sins, that he, that he rose on the third day to give us the, the promise of eternal life and accept him as our Lord and Savior. And if we believe that, then we're united in faith. You know, divisions, the, the body of Christ. I read the other day that, that there are more churches closing than there are opening. I read the other day that for the first time in America, membership in churches is below 50%. You know, that's not the direction we need to be going in in these uncertain times. And we can't attract people by being judgmental and by putting them down and by, you know, emphasizing our differences. What we're going to attract them by is doing what Jesus said, loving our Lord, our God, with all our soul, mind, heart, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves by loving one another. In Psalms 133.1, the psalmist said, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And if we read on down in the scripture, scripture, it talks about anointing with oil. If we're going to have the anointing and the blessing of the Holy Spirit to go out and change the world, we need to live in unity. We're building, we have a very small church, this church plant. You know, we all know each other's names. We all know each other's stories. We're in unity. And I think God's going to bless that and we're going to grow. If you want to get in on the bottom floor, ground floor or something, join us. You know, we, we we chose a time when people could come. You know, ultimately we'll probably switch, but we wanted people to give people an opportunity to come check us out. So we meet at 6 p.m. on Sunday evenings. The other thing is there used to be lots of Sunday evening services, and there's not anymore. If you want to come, you know, worship with us, and we hope you'll feel the power of the Holy Spirit and, and the unity of our church, come join us at 240 West 18th Street. We meet at 6 p.m. Sunday nights in the Heights. We've been having some great services. It's a wonderful group. So in Matthew eighteen nineteen through 20, Jesus said again, truly, if I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Amen. And this last one about how Jesus knows your heart. These are points about how Jesus knows your heart is the most important. It's in John thirteen thirty five. Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's, it's, sometimes it's hard to do. Life happens. We have difficulties. But, you know, Jesus isn't looking for perfect people. He's looking for an intimate relationship. He's looking to know what your heart is. Let me give you an example. Because after we brought Christ into the center of our marriage, my, I know I have an intimate relationship with my wife. I know her heart. So if she, you know if she's fussy with me or or something happens and she's cranky or whatever, I know that that's not really how she feels about me. I know her heart. Or if somebody tells me something about my wife that she did something allegedly, now I'm talking like a lawyer that I am. If she did something allegedly, you know, I know either that that's not true or that she had a darn good reason for doing it because I know her heart. Jesus knows you're going to make mistakes. We all do on a daily basis. He wants to know your heart. Are you trying to do the right thing for the right reasons? As we started, he wants to know your heart. That's when you begin to experience the transformative power of Christ. Not perfectly. Not without some hiccups. Not without some bumps. But where is your heart? Jesus wants to know your heart. Now, how do we live a godly life that demonstrates we have given our hearts to Jesus 
and hopefully gives us the anointing and the blessing that we need to go out and change the world. And I'm not saying you're going to be president of the United States or you're going to change the world like that. I'm talking about what the disciples did. They affected people one at a time, and those ripples went out across the world from a little bitty corner in 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 the middle a dusty place in the middle east without radio or internet or cars to drive any place they spread out you know thomas went to india they went all over the place paul went on his incredible journeys all over the place you can read about it in the new testament it's awesome so but all we got to do is is plant seeds here and there and you never know you may minister somebody that's going to become the next billy graham or you may minister somebody that's going to become head of a rehab place and save, bring people to Christ and, and transform lives. Help him transform lives. We don't transform lives. He transforms lives. Let me be clear about that. But let me give you 10 points about how to live a godly life that demonstrates we have given our hearts to Jesus and can give us the anointing and the blessing we need to go out and impact people in a positive way. Point one, a life of prayer. You notice in the in the Bible, Jesus so often withdrew when facing any important task. We know that prayer, he always prayed to his Father in heaven, that that was a priority. He even taught us how to pray. He's, you know, and if you read the Sermon on the Mount, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Prayer, and in that prayer it says, thy will be done. Thy will be done. A life of prayer is so critical. Second, faith. Second point, faith. Proverbs, we read, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And did you know in Hebrews eleven six it says that it's impossible to please God without faith? Faith is important. We need to trust and believe in him. Point number three, meditation on the word of God. Spend time with him. Be trans Romans twelve two, be transformed. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how do we do that? By reading his word. He gave it to us for a reason. Meditating on his word. That's the sword of truth. You need his word in your life. Seeped in your life. Just read a little bit every day. Set aside some time. Number number four. Obedience. Jesus says throughout, particularly in the Gospel of John, if you love me, you will obey my commands. I used to think of that as differently, like a strict teacher or something. It's not that at all. It's that if we obey his commands and we live the godly life that he wants us to live, we live life more abundantly, just like he said in John 10.10. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come so that they may live life and live it more abundantly. When I wasn't living for him, I chased all kinds of things, money, booze, you know, all these things, and they never filled me up. But when I began to live for him, I began to experience that peace surpasses all understanding is my life perfect of course not but you know i i have him by my side i know that i can deal with anything that comes along so that's point number four is obedience number five invite the holy spirit into your life and depend on the holy spirit look to jesus and to the holy spirit for everything you do in your life look to that small voice that encourages you gives you discernment it's number five number six When you make mistakes, and you will, you're convicted, not condemned. 
so many people before they come to Christ or that have difficulty fully accepting Christ, they live in this cycle of shame and guilt and keep doing the same things like the Bible says, a dog returning to its own vomit. They live in this cycle of shame and guilt. That's not what Jesus wants for you. He, sure. He's, he told the adulterous woman, he said, you know, where are your, your condemners? I, neither do I. They're gone and I don't condemn you either, but get up and, and sin no more. So you have conviction, you know, you just don't even really enjoy it anymore. So you get any enjoyment from it. So have conviction, not condemnation. That's number six. Number seven, giving both to God and to your church and to and to others. You don't just give with money either. You give by helping them. That's when you really turn the corner, when you start helping other people, start realizing what your ministry is, what purpose God has for you in life, giving to God and others. Next one, these are all critical. Number eight, forgiving. Forgiving, you know, we had a powerful, we have a ministry called Break Every Chain, which meets at 901 Wilson Road on Friday nights at 7 over in Humble. And um, uh, we had a a young lady give her testimony a while back, and she talked about something that happened to her when she grew up, and it was not good. But she said once she forgave that person that did this to her, it was like an anchor off of her neck. And, And she just... It just was, it's freeing. When we, when we carry around these grudges and resentments and everything, it, it doesn't, really, the other person may not even know about it. It's just an anchor. And when we forgive, it's such a freeing thing. And let's not forget that Jesus says in the Bible, if you want your Father in heaven to forgive you, you need to forgive others. In fact, when Peter asked him, Lord, should I forgive seven times? That seems like a lot to me. A lot of people would have a problem forgiving seven. Jesus said, no, seven times 70 forgiveness and jesus wants you to do it because we've had so much grace through our father in heaven hey next next sunday's father's day we've all got i don't care what your personal circumstances on earth we've all got the most wonderful father in heaven so anyway forgiving that's important number nine church unity i went over that earlier we really want to have power as a collective body we need to be unified when we have problems and we will we may have disagreements and we will We need to do what the Bible says. Handle them biblically. Go to that brother or sister and say, hey, here's the situation. Here's how I see it. You know, here's what I think you're doing or whatever. Not in a judgmental way, in a loving way. And then if if there's still a problem, then you get a couple of other of the elders in the church involved. You know, you do it in a biblical way. You you, you come together. When we communicate, we can almost always work things out. It's when we don't communicate, when we don't have unity, that, that we lose the power, the anointing that we need to change the world. Number 10, witnessing. We're called to preach the gospel of peace, hope, and love to all creation. That's how the gospel of Mark ends and the gospel of Matthew ends, telling go out and make disciples of all nations. Jesus, that's where he said, and I will be with you to the end of the age, teaching them to obey everything that I have taught you. You know, we all have an example, an opportunity to witness on almost a daily basis, not in an intrusive way, getting in somebody's face. Mostly, you know, people don't just listen to what you say. They look at how you act. And that's how we can, one of the main ways we can witness is to show the light of Christ through our lives, the love of Jesus Christ, that they want to have what we have, that peace that surpasses all understanding. So again, a life of prayer, faith, meditation on the Word of God, obedience, inviting the Holy Spirit and depending on the Holy Spirit, conviction, not condemnation, giving to God and others, forgiving other people, 
church unity, and witnessing. Those are ten ways for Jesus to know, to live your life in a way that Jesus knows he has your heart. And when he has your heart, love can cover up a multitude of sins. Jesus Christ doesn't want perfect people. He wants a relationship, and he wants a relationship with you. And I want a relationship with you, too. And our church does. It's New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. We're a new church plant. We're in the middle of the city. You know, we we chose to start during a pandemic and come into the middle of the city. Not the easiest, but, you know, um, that's what God put on our hearts, called us into the middle of the city. We're at 240 West 18th Street. We're a non-denominational, Bible-based, spirit-filled recovery church. And that recovery church may throw you a little bit. You say, I'm not in recovery. I don't have a problem, never have, with alcohol or drugs. Well, listen, everybody's recovering from something. It might be anxiety, depression, relationship issues. You had a, you lost a loved one. We all go through these trials and tribulations. And, but Jesus said not to, not to worry because he has overcome the world. Amen. So join us. And like I said, it's, it's we're small. I think we had um, about 35 people at our last service. Sometimes we have a few more. But you know what? When people come, they're, 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 they've been coming back because we got something special going on. We're brand new, and, and uh, we'd love to meet you. And you know what? If you come to our church, we, we're not going to judge you. We don't care what you've been through. What, you know, we, we believe in the transformative power of Christ in our church. We're going to love on you. We're going to encourage you. Nobody's going to condemn you. That's not what you're going to find at New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. 240 West 18th Street, 77008, in the heart of the Heights, where a non-denominational, Bible-based, recovery, spirit-filled, spirit-filled recovery church, loving church, encouraging church. Come join us. I'm Pastor John Allworth. We love you at New Covenant Church, Greater Heights, but more importantly, God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Good night and amen.